Hey, Reach Paramount, welcome to our podcast. Hey, this message is from our Sunday morning service with our very own Pastor Omar Lopez in a message entitled, Reach Up. Enjoy this message. Lord, you can be seated this morning. We're glad you're here. Are you glad you're in the house of God today? All right, turn to someone and say you're in the right place at the right time right now. And so we're so glad you're here this morning, and I pray today the Lord will minister to you. Uh, you guys are a good-looking bunch. Just turn to someone and say, you look good, man. Look up here and say, man, he looks better. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Don't do that. But uh, we're glad you're here this morning, and I, I just pray today that God will just minister to all of you in this place. We're so glad to see everyone today, and uh, we're we're, we're going to continue in our uh, conference theme, Reach. How many know we just need to keep reaching? And a few months ago, we did a series called Reach, Restore, Release. And then, of course, if you went to our conference a few weeks ago, we talked about the Reach Conference and uh, shared our vision. Uh, but this morning, I'm going to talk about reaching up. we got to reach up to God, right? And so we're going to be talking about this month, just reach, and we're going to kind of do different things about reach. But today I'm going to talk about reaching up toward God, and I, I want to believe God that the Lord will minister to you. Maybe next week I'll do reach out, and maybe we'll talk about reach onward. I don't know, reach somebody. who what, Reach, reach, keep reaching, right? Uh, I'm going to be ministering out of 1 Kings chapter 18 of the Word of God. And uh, you can turn there if you'd like, or they'll put it up on the screen. Uh, but let me just say a few things that's very important. And I know that every believer understands this, and we have an understanding about what I'm going to say today. But one of the things that we need to do in our lives is we need to put God above everything else. I believe it's throughout Scripture that God is calling you and I to focus our adoration to focus our priorities. Basically, God needs to be number one in our lives. We need to be reaching up toward God consistently. And there's a reason why God wants to be number one in your life, because we need his presence. And a number of months ago, I talked about the presence of God benefits you more than it benefits God. It benefits you to have the presence of God in your life. And one of the very first commandments in the book of Exodus, it talks about the Lord said, you shall have no other God before me. Even Jesus talked about it when they said, what is the greatest commandment? They were asking Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? What's the most important commandment? And he said, above all else, he said, we're to love the Lord God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and all of your strength. So when you put God first, it changes everything about your life. Now think about it. Why should we put God first? Well, I think, number one, if you really begin to look in Scripture, the Bible says this in Psalm 119.7, Thy hands have made me and fashioned me. Give me understanding that I may learn your commandments. So I believe today we put God first because he created you. You wouldn't be here if it wasn't for God. Bible says he fashioned you. And we're, we come in all kinds of shapes and sizes. How many thank God for that, right? And David is asking, Lord, help me to understand. How many have ever prayed that prayer? Lord, help me to understand all who you are. God, give me some understanding. And so the scripture says that we shall have no other gods before the Lord. Now, many of you are saying, isn't there one God? Absolutely. And when he talks about God, it's, it's God with a little g, a lowercase g. And he's saying these little gods. Now, what are little gods? Little gods could be anything. It could be a person. It could be a thing. It doesn't have to necessarily be a statue. It doesn't have necessarily have to be some idol that you have in your house. It could be any person, anything. It could be a career. Can a career be a god? Yes. Can uh, can uh, a, a recreation be a God? Yeah. Can a person be a God? Yes. Even some of the things that we can enjoy in life can be a God if we put it before the Lord. 
The Bible says in Proverbs 3, 6, this is the introduction, guys. I'm just getting into it, okay? Bear with me. Everything you do, put God first, and he will direct you and crown your efforts with success. We constantly are praying, God, I need your blessing. God, help me. Have you just considered putting God first? When you put God first, he'll help you, which gives good reason for the enemy to try to hinder what God is doing. Now, if you and I were the devil, thank God we're not. But what would you do to hinder God? What would you do to hurt the heart of God? Number one thing I think we would do, and what Satan has been doing for centuries, is trying to divert the people of God and win their hearts from God. Basically, the enemy wants to steal the hearts of God's people so that we could worship false gods, false idols, false things that really don't do anything for you. Write this down, and this is the key thought, and I'm going to pray in just a moment. But false gods promise what only a true God provides. Let me say that again. False gods promise only what a true God provides. So I'm going to pray as we get into this message today and ask the Lord to help us as we dive into this message, I pray God will minister to every person here. So, Father, we thank you for the word of God. We thank you, God, for your presence. Lord, we know you're here among us today. We want to keep reaching up towards you. Help us, God, to put you first in everything that we do. Our priorities, our, our business, our lifestyle, our family, everything. Help us to put you first. I pray the word of God would come alive in our hearts today. And Lord, it would just become relevant in so many ways. Because in 2021, your word is still relevant. It applies to our lives. So I pray today, God, minister to every person. Anoint every word that I speak. And let the people hear the voice behind the voice. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. So let me just say that statement again. False gods promise what only a true God provides. Now, we often think about what people do today. One of the number one things that people worship and put before God is money. And I know that money itself is not evil. We know that money can be used to bless. It can be used to, to help support missions. It can give to the poor. So we know money in itself is not evil. We understand that. And first. 1 Timothy 6.10 says, the love of money. So often people misquote the scripture and they say, money's evil. No, money's not evil. The love of money is. When you put, when you put money before God, it becomes evil. It says, some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and they pierced themselves with many griefs. Another scripture says, translation says, the love of money causes all kinds of trouble. Excuse me. Man, I didn't even eat yet. And some people want so much money that they've given up their faith and caused themselves a lot of pain. So oftentimes we find ourselves, or you may know someone that puts money before God. And money promises what only God can provide. Money says, well, if you have enough money, you're going to be secure. If you have enough money, everything's going to, you're going to be happy. If you have enough money, all you have to do is accumulate enough money and you're going to be satisfied. You're not going to need anything in your life. And then you begin to watch these celebrities that have a bunch of money and they're not happy. How many celebrities do you see going to these rehabs? They're hooked on drugs and they're hooked on alcohol and they can't even uh, hold on to their marriage they go from one spouse to another like they're switching shoes right like man i got you know and, and you just begin to watch them and you realize that money doesn't satisfy everything doesn't it makes all these false promises and people think money meets every need and yet if you get a diagnosis you got 30 days to live you got cancer. How many know money can't answer that? How many know if you have your children that have gone astray and they're, uh, they're alcoholics or they find themselves in drugs, money can't answer that. 
So money gives you this false promise. It's a false promise that only God can provide. And so in 1 Kings chapter 18, we're about to read this chapter, just a few verses in the chapter. The people of God during this time, when Elijah comes on the scene, they're living idolatrous lives. They're worshiping false God. They have been diverted from the things of God. And in context here, I want to give you the context of what's happening. God begins to speak to the prophet Elijah to confront the king, who is King Ahab at the time. King Ahab is the most evil king. Uh, in fact, the Bible talks about he's the 19th consecutive evil king. So after, there's been 19 kings, and he's the worst. Number 19 is the worst. Now, nothing against the number 19, but something happened here. Ahab is the worst of the worst. He's like the Adolf Hitler during that time, and he's evil in all of his ways, and he's got a wife by the name of Jezebel, and she's even more wicked. In fact, I've met some of those Jezebels in, in my life as a pastor, and that's another story. We could talk about that another time. And this woman is wicked, and she's influenced her husband. And so there's all kinds of things going on here. They're worshiping the God of Baal and Asherah. And the God of Baal, he's kind of the sun god, the fire god. Asherah, she's uh, like this uh, woman goddess. She's kind of Baal's uh, girlfriend or wife, however you want it. And they're no longer worshiping the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. They are now worshiping all of these false gods who are promising them, you know, your crops are going to be better, uh, your life's going to be better. False gods promise what only God can provide. And so Elijah is called by God now to confront the King Ahab about this sin and we find this scripture here, uh, and before I read the scripture, God uh, tells Elijah to go tell Ahab that it's not going to rain uh, for a long time until uh, Elijah comes back and said it's going to rain. And so for three years, there's a drought. There's no rain. There's a major drought. Uh, people are, are starving. People are dying. There's a famine in the land, and the Bible says Elijah goes into hiding because they put out a hit on him. Ahab does. Put the green light on him. Said, man, we're going to, if anybody sees Elijah, you, can, you got my permission to kill him. He's a target. And so in that time, Elijah goes into hiding, and in that time, he, God's providing for Elijah. In fact, God provides a little brook for him to drink water. He provides a raven to come and feed him. Can you imagine birds are feeding you? And the ravens are coming, and they're bringing meat to him. They're bringing bread to him. And then suddenly one day, the, the brook dries up. And then the, uh, the bread stops coming. The ravens stop bringing him meat. The, braven, the ravens stop bringing him water. They, they, they let him down. It's kind of like the ravens. I think they kind of were from Baltimore. They'll always let you down. But that's another sermon too. Never trust the ravens. But anyway, so we find out in this story. And you know I was going to get it in there anyway. I know Rob's not here this morning. But he's probably watching online. And so 1 Kings 18, I'm going to read verse 17. Some of you people are thinking, what is he talking about? Talking about the NFL, believe it or not. So when Ahab saw Elijah, when he saw Elijah, he said to him, is that you, you troubler of Israel? Uh, actually, when the word troubler means you snake. That word troubler actually in the translation means you viper or asp. I have to make sure I put the P at the end, asp, before you misquote me. Did pastor say asp, or did he say, yes, I said asp, okay? And so he's saying, you troubler of Israel, you're the one that's causing trouble in Israel. You're, you low-down snake, you're causing all of this drought. Look at all of these people are experiencing famine. We're in these circumstances because of you. And he accuses the prophet of all of this trouble. And we know that Elijah had nothing to do with it. We know that Elijah wasn't the cause of this. And it's very common 
when people call out your sin, you want to blame them for it. Isn't it amazing this morning that the man of God confronts this man and he's confronting him about his sin, but now he's blaming the man of God. Oftentimes, I find myself as a pastor trying to help people, and when I point out something, they blame me. It's like my fault. I'm just pointing it out. You ask for advice. You ask, uh, what, well, how can I help you? Pastor, tell me the truth. You can't handle the truth. Tell me the truth, Pastor. What's going on? Well, I'm pointing it out, and they go, oh, yeah, you're just a bad pastor. Well, I, I called something out. And so the Bible says Elijah basically points his finger back at this king Ahab, and, and Ahab, again, is this, uh, has an evil heart and an evil spirit, and Elijah said, wait a minute. He said, I've not made trouble for Israel, Elijah replied, but you and your father's family have. You have abandoned the Lord's command, and you have followed after Baal. He said, wait a minute. It's not me that's causing all this trouble. Hold on, buddy. Hold on. You ever had been accused of something? Wait, hold on. Now, you got the roles reversed here. It's not me that's called in trouble. It's you. Another translation says this. I'm not the troublemaker, Elijah answered. You are and your father. You are disobeying the Lord's command and worshiping the idols of Baal. In other words, I've not called this trouble. It's been your disobedience. It's been your rebellion. It's been your stubbornness because you're serving all of these idols. You're committing the sin of idolatry. You're putting these false gods before the true God, and he's confronting the culture because the culture is accepting all of this idolatry. The culture during that time is accepting all of these many gods. Now, let me give you a few theological words, okay? Not very complicated, but I want to kind of give you what's going on here. There's two words. One is called monotheism, monotheism and polytheism. Mono means one. So when they ask you, are you, monothe- are you a monotheist? Theistic or polytheistic? See, I'm getting confused myself. We are monotheistic. In other words, we believe in one true God. But that culture was polytheistic. They believed in multiple gods. And this helped justify their sin because whenever they did anything, oh, I'm serving this God, that's why I could do this. And so they had a God for every wrong and evil thing that they did. They would just put a God in front of it. And it was a polyistic culture, a polyistic uh, uh, belief, and they were committing idolatry. And now I would say to you as believers, many times we are monotheistic in our belief, but we are polytheistic in our lifestyle. We say we believe in one God but yet we're worshiping other gods on the side. Most people say, well, I'm not worshiping the God of Baal, and I'm not worshiping the God of Asherah, but we're worshiping false gods in the way anything that we put before God, we can begin to worship. We can worship materialism. We can worship our house, our cars, our bank accounts. It could be your image. It could be your favorite sports team could be your career could be your hobby can't tell you how many men that i know that man as soon as they get home they go right in their hobby they just hide to the wife and yeah bring, bring bring my dinner in the garage i'm working on something hard to even say hi to their kids i'm just saying i'm not pointing out anyone see when you elevate anything before god and you put it on the throne of your heart, it becomes idolatry. And you have to begin to identify what are the false gods in my life? What have, what have been the false gods? What have I put before God? So can I just start with myself since none of you are volunteering this morning? I'll, I'll just kind of admit some things, even as the pastor, that literally I have put before God. I have literally put ministry and church before God. Now, you may be sitting out there saying, isn't that your calling? Isn't that what God's 
called you to do? Yes. But if I'm not careful and it's happened, I'm putting ministry in church and I'm not even worshiping God anymore. I'm worshiping the ministry and I'm worshiping the church and all of that. That's happened to me. Don't look at me all holy like you've never done something like that. You've never started doing something. How about even family? Some of us, we, 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 we say, yeah, uh, you know, my, my family worship, but then you begin to worship the family, right? All of a sudden, everything is about your family, and it's not about God, and you, everything has to do with your family, and you've left God on the side. It's very simple. A lot of us this morning, it could start off healthy, but then all of a sudden we begin to make it a priority. We, we get caught up in false security and our future and all we're thinking about is our money and all of these different things and I need to make sure I'm secure. I need to make sure I have all of this. And before we know it, we're erecting all of these idols before God. Could be your career, man. It's all about your job. Man, I got to work overtime. I got to make sure I have enough money. I, I, I got to be dedicated, and it's everything. I, I'll have two or three jobs. It, it's all about my career. Could be ourself. We're worshiping ourself. Everything revolves around me. Everything's about what I want. And so Elijah uh, steps into this polytheistic culture. And he's trying to get people to reach up to God again. Hallelujah. And he says one thing that is really powerful here that I think all of us today need to think. I could actually summarize the sermon with this statement. And he says this. He said, you need to quit wavering. You need to stop going back and forth. You need to stop being of two opinions. Make up your mind who you're going to serve. I love what Joshua said. As for me and choose you this day whom you will serve. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And so here Elijah says, make up your mind. Quit wavering. Quit struggling between two opinions. Actually, that word wavering, actually in the translation says, stop limping from one decision to another. Some of us this morning, the reason why you're limping because you haven't made your mind up who you're going to serve. You haven't decided to totally give yourself to God. And he says, quit wavering, quit going back and forth. Quit stalling on what you're going to do. Make up your mind. And he, then he challenges the Ahab and the false prophets of Baal and Asherah. And he said, you know what? Meet me on Mount Carmel. Basically, there's going to be a showdown. Going to be a showdown, right? There used to be a, a band by the name of ELO, Electric Light Orchestra. Anybody remember that? All right, so a few of you guys do. Our young people, who is ELO? Well, they were one of the first bands. I don't even know why I'm saying this, but with synthesizers and computers, and, and they got all that going. They actually pioneered it. And anyway, I used to love that band. But they said, it's going to be a showdown. We're going to settle this once and for all. There's going to be a duel between God and Baal. Hallelujah. And he said this in verse 19. He said, now summon the people from all over Israel to meet on Mount Carmel and bring the 450 prophets of Baal and 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. Now, just let me pause there for a second. That's one long table. Am I right? 450 prophets. I just thought I'd say that. But 450 uh, prophets of Baal, I mean, they all eat. What, what's the bill like? How much do you pay for that, man? So they're all of these people that eat at Jezebel, this wicked women's uh, 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 table. And Ahab sent word throughout all Israel, and he assembled the prophets on Mount Carmel. And so now Elijah is confronting the people because now all the people are there, the false prophets are there, and Elijah is getting in the people's face, and he says, how long will you waver? How long will you be of two opinions? 
and they don't like it. They say, get that corn out of my face. No, that's not what he says. But he begins to challenge them, and he begins to say, how long will you be between two opinions? And then this is what he said, if the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. So he says, man, if God is God in your life, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him then. And you know what the people said? They said nothing. They stood silent. That's the problem with most people. When you confront them, they just get quiet. All of a sudden, they get silent. They get quiet on you. When the pressure is on, we say nothing. When the pressure is on, we don't take a stand. When the pressure's on, we won't say we're going to serve God. When the pressure's on at work, you won't say you're a Christian. Because the moment you say you're a Christian, now you have to live out your testimony. So we don't tell people at work we're a Christian because now we have to actually live it. And so these guys are all quiet. Elijah confronts them, and they're quiet. They don't want to step out and serve God. They don't want to step out and wholeheartedly say, yes, I'll stand for God. He's the guy with the video. They're always taking video, but they won't get involved. They want to see what happens. And so Elijah said, come. How many of you stop wavering? How long? And I can guarantee you, here's Elijah telling them, quit wavering. And I can imagine many times when we're confronted with that, we want to get out of hell and we want to go to heaven, but we want to live the way we want to live. We want God and all the good things, but we don't want to quit doing all the evil things. And Paul is saying, quit wavering. Quit being a Christian on Sunday and a heathen on Monday. He said, you need to live for me. Basically, quit claiming Christ when you don't live like Christ. Quit wavering. Quit wanting all the benefits, but you're unwilling to sacrifice. Take a side. This is what Elijah's saying. He put it into Elijah's word. Honestly, if we can get Elijah's word into today's language... Because Elijah is essentially saying, he says, if, he, if Baal is God, serve him. And if God is your God, sell out to him. In other words, if possessions is your God, then sell out to it. If possessions is all you're after, after then you know what? Do whatever you can to accumulate as much as you can. Get as much debt as you can get. You know what? Possessions is your God. You know, steal if you have to. Connive if you have to. Do whatever you can if you have to. Don't give, man. Forget all of that. Are you with me? If image is what you're after, how you look, then do whatever you have to do. Don't go to the gym. Just spend all the money, you know what I mean? And, and lift it, tuck it, curl it, whatever, color it, funk it, whatever you got to do. Why go to the gym? Just spend all your money. Fix this, let that, puff that, whatever you got to do. <laughs> Buy all the clothes that you need. If you really, I mean, if, if that's what you're into, if alive, we could hear Elijah today, you know, it's sexual pleasure is all you want, then go for it. Don't let marriage hold you back. Don't let something like small like marriage hold you back. Do what you want to do. If you're not married, more power to you. Do, go, you know, do both sides of the street. Do whatever you got to do. You hear what I'm saying? If that's your pleasure, so Elijah's saying that basically if you're pursuing those things, then do that. But if Christ is the Son of God and he's the true God in your life, then serve him with all of your heart. Be sold out for Jesus. See, make up your mind who you're going to serve. So many Christians, man, they don't, they, don't, they don't serve God all the way. They don't serve. They're like in the middle. Decide what you're going to do. Dive in. I made up my mind a long time ago, 40 years ago. Would you believe that? Man, I'm only 25. For 40 years ago, I gave my life to Jesus. And I decided I'm going to go all in. I mean, if I believe this, I might as well just sell out. I'm not going to play games. I'm not going to be in and out. I'm not going to be all this religious stuff. Uh, you know what? I, I gave my life to Jesus. I'm all in. Uh, how many remember that? I'm all in. What was it, Texas Hold'em? Remember that? I'm all in, man. 
I remember I used to play Texas Hold'em and say, I, I'm all in. You're all in? Yeah, all in. Go ahead. What are you going to do? You're going to match that? I'm all in right now. Everything. Oh, man, I don't know. Yeah, see, I'm all in. Scared now, huh? Right? I'm all in. What you going to do? See, that's what we have to be. We have to decide how long, and this is why Elijah said, how long will you waver between two opinions? Another translation says, how long, he goes, how much longer will you try to have it both ways? Elijah, another translation said, you must decide what you're going to do. How long will you keep jumping from one side to the other? How long will you be a chameleon, adapting to one thing and another? Elijah said, how long will you try to serve both Baal and the Lord? If the Lord is the true God, follow him. But if Baal is the true God, follow him. And the people said nothing. And so... Finally, Elijah said, it's going to be a showdown. This is what I want you to do. I want you to bring two bulls. He said, one bull for you and one bull for me. And we're going to build an altar, a couple of altars, and we're going to sacrifice the bull. Basically, Elijah said, we're going to settle this bull right now. We're going to cut the bull right here, right? The bull stops here. I'm tired of all the bull, right? There's a bunch of bull on the altar, right? We're going to settle it right here. And he says, I'm going to call upon, you're going to call upon your God, and then I'm going to call upon my God. And he said, he said this, you call on the name of your God, and I will call upon the name of the Lord, and the one who answers by fire, hallelujah, he is God. Then all the people said, this is good. He said, the God that answers by fire, let him be God. And they said, this is a good idea. Now, you want to know why they thought it was a good idea? Because Baal was the sun god. Baal was the, the god of he. They go, you're an idiot, Elijah. Man, you messed up now. You don't realize our God, our our idol, man, is Baal. He's the sun god. He's hot. He's fire. He's infernal. He's blazing. In Spanish, fuego, caliente. You know, this guy, man, you're messing with the wrong god. And the prophet is saying, I don't care. He said, take the booth and prepare it. And they prepared it, and they called upon the name. He said, you guys go first. And they called upon the name of Baal from morning to noon. They're calling out. They've, got, they've cut the bull. They put it on the altar. They basically are now crying out. They're praying. And the Bible says uh, they called out. They're dancing. But Bell answered. They said, Bell answered us, they shouted. But, see, there's always the button life that will change everything, right? And they said there was no response and no one answered. See, when you're crying out to the wrong God, there's never going to be an answer. When you're looking for answers in the wrong place, nothing's going to come your way. That's the problem with the world. I mean, I'm preaching better than you're clapping, but that's okay. And, and so they, 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 they're calling out to this false God, but there's no answer. See, what are you praying to today? I love the scripture in Psalm 115. It says, but the idols are silver and gold made by human hands. They have mouth but cannot speak. Eyes but cannot see. They have ears but they cannot hear. Noses but cannot smell. They have hands but they cannot feel. But uh, uh, feet but cannot walk. Nor can they utter a sound with their throats. Those who make them will be like them, and so will all who trust in them. See, what are you trusting in today? What are you putting your trust in? And so they dance around this thing. Now, I looked up how they, they actually dance, and I think if I did it for you, you probably wouldn't come back to church, but uh, no, I'm just kidding. So they, they started doing all of these things. They were shrieking. They were shouting. They, they were doing everything they could uh, uh, to get a bell to answer. They were doing everything that they were shouting. Uh, they were dancing around, all of these different things. Now, do people do this today? Sometimes they do. You ever seen them, you know, at the sports, they paint their faces, their bellies, and their, uh, I'm, I'm in the sports, I'm just kidding you, but, we, but again, 
you know, how, how, how excited are we about something? So they, they begin to do this, and the Bible says at verse 27, at noontime, Elijah began to taunt them. Why don't you shout a little louder? He began to cap on them a little bit. He was kind of making fun of them. Hello, where is your God? Hello, nobody could hear you. Maybe you ought to shout a little louder. Maybe you ought to get scream a little louder. He says, he says, I don't think he can hear you. He said, surely he is the God. Perhaps he's in deep thought. Or maybe he's busy. Or maybe he's traveling. Or maybe he's sleeping and nobody can wake him up. Maybe he took some NyQuil, man, and he's out. And he begins to, man, I love this. This is a sarcastic prophet right now. Sometimes spiritually you can be sarcastic when it talks about other gods, right? And so he's being sarcastic. He, he's messing with them. He said, maybe your God's on vacation. Maybe he's taking a little siesta. Maybe he's got, you know, eating some cookies and milk. He's busy looking at Facebook. Maybe he's playing the little video games and all the little games that come on there. Maybe he's taking a nap. He's doing all of these things, and he, he's mocking them and making fun of them. And, he, and the, the actual word there in Hebrew, believe it or not, when it says he's busy, you know what it actually means? He's busy going to the restroom. I kid you not. That's what Elijah's saying. Maybe he's busy relieving himself, and he can't put the newspaper down, and so he's got no time uh, to come and answer your prayer. And Elijah is mocking them. He's making fun of them, and he's telling them, the man of God, I don't even know how he can keep a straight face, but he's doing all of this. And the Bible says in verse uh, 28 through 35, they begin to shout and scream even more louder. In fact, they got so desperate, they begin to cut themselves. And blood is coming out. They're trying to get the attention of this God who can't answer. The, and and they're, they're shouting louder to this false God. How many of us this morning in our life were shouting and pursuing things and going after things that didn't bring the answer to our lives? How many of us this morning were after something our whole life? We were willing to give ourselves only to be let down. And 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 36, at the time of sacrifice, the prophet stepped forward. Oh, here's the man of God right here. And he prayed this prayer. Oh, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and I've done all these things that you command me. He said, answer me, oh, Lord, that these people will know, oh, Lord, that you are God. And that you are turning their hearts back to him. Look at the beauty of this statement. He's saying, God, reveal yourself. God, reveal who you are. God, let us feel the heat of your love and your grace. Help us, God, today. So what? That you may turn your people back again to reaching up to you. Can you say amen? These people used to walk with you. These people used to worship you. God, they've forsaken you, but God turned them back to you. Can you feel the passion? Can you feel the heart of this prophet today? He's telling these folks, man, you need to get back to worshiping God. You need to get back your heart in alignment with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. You need to get back to where you first met him. Can you say amen? He said, reveal yourself to them. See, I began to think he, he called on God for fire to come down from heaven. Can I tell you, uh, I'm familiar with fire in, in a bad way. How many ever played with fire when you were a kid? I did. I played with fire. I'm telling you, when I was a kid, I played with fire. There used to be a band, believe it or not, by, and I think there's, they still have, by, how many remember the band Kiss? Anybody remember that band? Some of you Kiss fans and some of you don't want it, but I was a Kiss fan. I loved the band Kiss at the time. I was a teenager, okay? I'm not saying I'm a Kiss fan now, but I used to. And, and somehow we got this idea that we wanted to be like Gene Simmons on the band Kiss, you know, where he throws fire. So we figured out a way, and I don't want to tell you how we did it. 
Because there may be some teenager who said, I'm going to do that. Don't do it. Don't do this at home. Don't play with fire. But we were able to drink this fluid and keep it in our mouths. I won't tell you what it was. And we would put this fire on the stick. And we learned how to spray it in such a fashion where it would go. And we learned that the closer you put the stick to you, the further the fire would go. So at first we were like this, you know, kind of blowing it. And then we started getting closer and closer. Oh, man, look at how far it went. So we started getting too close. You know what happened? Get too close, all of a sudden it goes back, it goes out, and then it comes back. Yeah, so it didn't happen to me, but I saw a friend, that fire stuff, I stopped that right after that. <laughs> it went out, and I'm telling you, man, it, I said, whoa, that went way out, and the next thing I know, it went back. The guy was, he had his whole mouth on fire, his eyebrows, everything. We, we slapped him about the only good time we got to slap him. It's a true story. I'm not kidding you. <laughs> and he was rolling all over the floor. We were kids, 12 years old. That was foolish. Don't do this at home. It was dumb. Don't do this. I know we're laughing now, but it was not a good thing. <laughs> it happened. I said, oh, I'm not doing that anymore. <laughs> I, I remember this other day. I don't even know why I'm saying it. I'll just tell you my sins of fire, okay? <laughs> it wasn't a complete fire, but I, I remember I, I had a smoke bomb. And, and I, I wanted to light the smoke bomb. And I don't know where I got this idea, but I, me and my friends, we went in one of the rooms in the house, in my house, and we lit the smoke bomb in the house, in one of the rooms. And then we left. The side door, we didn't even go through the front door. I took them in there and let the smoke bomb. They all said, oh, that was cool. Look at the whole room. I go, yeah, man, let's get out of here. All the smoke in here. So we got out. Half hour later, my dad and all my brothers are outside the front of the house, and they look like, they look stunned. I go, what's happening? They go, man, there's smoke in the house. We don't know where it came from. (laughs) We can't find the source. (laughs) I go, oh, I know what happened. Yeah, I got a whooping that day. But see, don't ever light a smoke bomb inside the house. My idea was it would stay in the room. Apparently, it filled the entire house. And smoke was coming out the windows. Oh, man, that's another story. Anyway, why did I tell you that story? So here, so here they're calling on God. And the Bible said in verse 38 that fire came from the Lord. Man, could you imagine? It came out of heaven and it burned up. I mean, the fire of the Lord burned up the sacrifice and the stones and the soil, licked up all the water around, uh, around, uh, around that the false prophets had poured in. It licked up the water. And when all the people saw this, they fell prostrate and cried the Lord that he is God. Sometimes we need a little fire in our life this morning. See, can I tell you something today? The Bible said the fire came on the altar and burned up everything. Nothing was there. It was all gone. Everything that that they had put on the altar got wiped away. God showed himself to his people that if you'll pray to me, that if you put me first, I'll answer from heaven. See, a lot of us this morning, we need to get back to the altar. The altar is not this wood platform. I'm talking about the altar in your heart. We come here to the altar, but it's not the altar. This altar, this wood place can't do anything for you, but it's God's fire coming on on the heart of your, the altar of your heart today. Maybe there's some things in your life today that need to get burned up. Maybe there's some things in your life that need to be out, get out, get burned. Maybe you need to come back to the altar. When's the last time you were at the altar? I said, God, take this out of my life. When's the last time you actually surrendered something? And say, God, you know what? I've been compromising. God, I'm not living right. God, there's some things that are out of order. You know, I got some priorities that are wrong. God, I kind of hit and miss when it comes to church. Kind of hit and miss when it comes to the Bible. You know, even my walking with God is kind of a hit and miss thing. It kind of depends how I'm feeling. Maybe it's a point in our life that we need to get back to the altar. And say, God, I need your fire back. You know, fire represents the Holy Spirit. Maybe, maybe the fire of God needs to get reignited back in your life. We just came out of conference, but it's so easy. A week or two, we're all fired up during conference. But it's so easy. It, it happens even a week after. You, you lost the fire already. Oh, God, 
Help us to get back to your altar. Help us to get the fire back today. Let's, let's bow our heads for just a moment. Let's pray. Father, all over this house today, I pray for the presence of God. I pray for the fire of the Holy Ghost. I pray that God will begin to reach up back to you. That God help us to put our attention back on heaven today. Help us, Father, to refocus our lives. God, maybe our lives have been misaligned. We're, we're out of alignment today. God, help us to realign our lives back to you. Put you first in everything that we do. God, there's some priorities that are wrong. There's some things that just, they're just out of sync. They're not in alignment, God. And today we're willing to come to the altar and get it right. We're willing, God, to call upon you because we need your help. We want the fire back. We want that passion back. We want that desire back. God, we want to get it back today. We lost it somewhere. God, we, we, we've kind of forsaken you, God. We, we have idols in our life. God, they're not necessarily statues or things that we have, but they're just priorities and things that we put in front of you that have become idols in our lives. God, burn them up. Remove them today from our hearts. And before I go on this morning, with every head bowed, every eye closed, if you're here, you're listening online, just be honest with yourself. You need the Lord in your life. You need God in your life. Can I tell you what the biggest idol is in your life? Is you. You, yourself. Your selfishness, thinking, I, I get it all together. I don't need God. We're all sinners, the Bible says. There's not one righteous, not even one. We've all sinned, and we fall short of the glory of God. We can't make it to heaven on our own. We need God's help. We need God's forgiveness. We need his love, his grace today. And can I tell you today that God is willing to come into your heart, that he loves you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son for you, for me. That whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. So God wants to give you a new life today. He wants to forgive you of your sin. But you have to be willing to admit that you need him in your life today. You have to be willing to say, you know what, I need God. I put myself before God. I put my own needs before. I need God in my life. And can I tell you, God will answer your prayer and he'll come in your life today. He'll change your life. I can't tell you how many times I've seen people come to the Lord and God has changed their life. I don't care what you've done. I don't care what's happened in your life. I'm here to tell you that there's a God in heaven that loves you, that will hear you today and will come into your heart today and forgive you. And whoever you are in this room right now, if you don't have the Lord in your life, you say, Pastor, would you pray for me? I need God in my life. It takes a man to serve God. It takes a woman to serve God. A real man, a real woman say, I need God in my life today. If that's you, with every head bowed, every eye closed, say, Pastor, I need the Lord in my life. Would you just raise your hand right now? Say, that's me. I need Jesus in my life. Right down here. God bless you, young lady here. Who else? Who else? All over this room. You'd raise your hand right now. You'd raise your hand right now. I don't want you to miss this opportunity. I don't know everyone in this room, but God knows you today. He knows your name. He knows who you are. And I don't believe it's a coincidence that you're in this room. I believe God brought you here to let you know that he loves you and he cares about you. All you have to do is raise your hand and say, you know what, I need God in my life. I need the Lord in my life today. Raise your hand if you haven't raised it up already. That's me. I need the Lord in my life. Just raise your hand. Is there anyone here, man or woman, doesn't matter how old, how young you are, just raise your hand right now. Just raise your hand. Is there anyone else right now? Maybe you were once serving God. Maybe at one time you were walking with God, but you're away from God today. You're that person. You've been wavering, and you need to come back to the Lord. You need to, you need to decide, you know what? I need to come clean with God. I I haven't been living right. I'm away from God. You need to rededicate your life to him. Who are you? Just raise your hand. So that's me. I'm backslidden. I need to come back to the Lord. I need to rededicate my life. Who are you? Just raise your hand. Who are you? All over this room. Anyone at all right now. I don't want you to leave this plate without the Lord in your life. Just raise your hand. Right over here, somebody else. All right, somebody else. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. If I don't see you, just keep your hand up. But there's somebody else, anybody else today. We want to make sure 
today, you don't leave here the same way you walked in. If you raise your hand, look up at me real quick. Look up at me real quick. You mean that right here? You mean that over there? Would you just come right here? You can come with her, Caitlin. Just come right here. Somebody over there, would you just come? We're, we're going to clap for you. Somebody come with this person over here. Just come right here. God bless you. Thank you for coming. God bless you. We're going to pray. I'm going to pray with these folks right now. If you want to come, somebody else. God bless you, brother. Just another person coming. You know what? I, I want to personally pray with these people. Would you pray for me? Pray with me with them today. Join me in this prayer. Why don't we all stand together right now? Amen. Why don't we bow our heads and close our eyes for just a moment? I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And I want you to repeat this prayer, not to me, but say it to God. Say it out loud. I'll give you the words right now. Say, Lord Jesus, I believe you died for me and rose again. I ask you, Lord, to come in my heart to forgive me of all my sins. Make me a new person. Be Lord of my life. Change my life. Today, I commit my life to you. From this day forward, I will serve you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's pray. Father, right now, reach into the lives of these folks right now. God, that you will make yourself real to them this morning. That God, today, you're going to change their life. God, you're going to be the God that they, Lord, today, uh, you're going to be Lord of their life today. God, they've been looking for you. They've been searching for you. They just didn't know who you were. But God, today, I pray, change their life today. You know, we need to just get back to the altar today. They're going to lead us in worship. Some of us, we just need to just come to the altar right now. They say, you know what? Today's the day. Come on, whatever, wherever you're at, whatever is going on in your life, don't worry about anybody else come to the altar. You know why you need to come. Just come. They're going to lead us in worship. Just come right now. Thanks so much for listening to this message from Reach Church Paramount. To stay connected with us, follow us on Instagram or Facebook at Reach Paramount. To give and support this podcast and ministry, visit our website at reachparamount.com slash give.